Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, podcasters. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Ogletree Deacons podcast today. My name is Kevin Bland, and I'm a shareholder out of our Orange County office in California. I'm here with Ms. Karen Tynan, chair of our West Coast OSHA practice and shareholder in our Sacramento office. We're here today talking about California COVID prevention plans and the new COVID 19 emergency temporary standard in California. This podcast is a super deep dive into the new Kalosha COVID regulation, compliance with the regulation, and best practices that you can take from this uh, and help you comply with that new regulation. Now, this is part three of a three part series on the COVID reg. So, I highly recommend you listen to part one and two before you get to part three. <laughs> So take a listen to all three parts of this series. Hope you get a lot out of it. And thanks for joining us. So, Karen, let me ask you this. Probably need to talk a little bit now that we've got through uh, series one and two. We're now at outbreaks uh, within the regulation, right? Yes. And uh, we just came off of a, uh, a time period where there were uh, quite a few outbreaks. So let's talk about how what do we have to do to report those to the local uh, public health department. Uh, some record keeping related related to that, and then uh, how are outbreaks defined under the regulation? Because I know there's some different areas that it's defined differently, and what are the employees' responsibilities related to these multiple COVID cases that they get in their workplace? That's a mouthful, Karen. <laughs> so have at it. Tell me about it. Well, I was going to say let's roll up our sleeves, but you've already got your sleeves rolled up for the gun show here. <laughs> well, I'm not even wearing sleeves. This is the best tank top I've got. <laughs> oh my goodness. So here we go. It's 2021. These regulations define outbreaks. And do you think that when this regulation was written, it used the same outbreak definition as in the workers' comp laws that were passed or a different one? Are you you're asking me? Of course, the, the, the one arm of the state is not going to do what the other arm's doing. <laughs> they didn't use it, did they, Karen? They, they used a totally not. different uh, uh, calculation. I won't even call it calculation. Right. Uh, drum roll as to what it is. Right, exactly. So it's three, uh, an outbreak, a simple outbreak, a basic outbreak, is three COVID cases in 14 days, which is different for those people who are also managing the workers' comp presumptions and those outbreaks. Please don't get these confused. Keep it separate. It is not based on a percentage of the workplace. So one issue that Kevin and I ran into, I would say the first week of December, is you'd have a 500-person distribution center in um, East Los Angeles, right? One of these big places. And they got three COVID cases quick, right? Not First day, probably. Yeah. And so that standard applied to them the same as a, let's say, a coffee diner that had 10 employees, three and 14 days. And so they felt it was very unfair. Yeah. Well, do you know how you can stay out of the outbreak? 
Only have two employees. There you go. I think that's the only way. That was the only way in December. So it is three COVID positive cases in 14 days in your workplace. Remember, Kevin defined a workplace in, in podcast number one of this series, right? Yes. And now is when it becomes important. So maybe a little refresher on the workplace definition in this context. So, so let's give an example. So if we defined the workplace as a working area in this distribution center that's 500 employees, we might have the purple zone where there's one forklift operator that is getting pallets off of two different racks and taking it to a loading area. And so maybe there are only 20 employees in that working area, that workplace. You see, you've got a a much more difficult time getting to the three and 14 days. But if you define your workplace as the entire distribution center, you're an outbreak almost all the time. Now you may have all 500 that you're you're, you're counting. You're counting. Now, you know, and to that point, uh, is Cal OSHA doing anything to try to, like, help us with this definition coming up? I know I was just at the advisory committee. You were uh, listening on it as well. Do you remember uh, if they said anything that may be coming down the pipe on that? So we may be switching from defining our uh, COVID cases and exposures and outbreak from geographic locations to more of a cohort or work group definition, which I think is actually more appropriate and more reasonable. And and the FAQs, Kevin, that came out in January did discuss, and I think Cal OSHA uses the term cohorts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a term that yeah. I use. I just yeah. would say co-workers. I, I used co-conspirators, but it's the same thing. <laughs> so we've got <laughs> cohorts that you may be working in the same zone or working area with. So when we do end up calculating an outbreak, either the three and 14 days for a simple outbreak or, and we did, there were a few um, places down in Southern California, especially in uh, around the holidays that had the major outbreak, which is the 20 COVID cases in 14 days. So in a regular outbreak, you do have to implement testing. Kevin, you and I, uh, when we read the regulation as it came out in November, we noticed that the regulation was differently worded on outbreaks as far as testing. In the early parts of the regulation, uh, the term is offer testing or provide testing. And when you get to outbreaks, the regulation says that the employer shall test. Yeah. And you and I understood the difference. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And well, another thing that folks got a little confused on is who gets tested, <laughs> right. right? Who gets tested uh, in an outbreak? So it's the workers in your workplace. Yeah. And it's not just the exposed workers from your three cases, it's your workplace. And so thinking back to our 500 person distribution center in our blue zone, if we had an outbreak in the blue zone, we're only going to test those blue zone employees on that shift even. What do you think of the on that shift, Kev? Yeah. Now, and there was some controversy early on on that, but yeah. then the FAQs, they, yes. they came out and cleared that up. Now, here's a question for you. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Is I had some clients that didn't do this zone uh-huh. issue at first. They took all 500, and then they end up in outbreak. They're testing all 500, and they're like, 
hey, I'm testing all 500 every week. We can't get down to three. Can you, uh, after the fact, zone folks? Well, according to the FAQs, you do need to, you can have the zones. I think it's very difficult once you've defined your outbreak to change your definitions. I, I think that if you're trying to test 500 people, and let's let's take the December January time frame, and you had a place in Los Angeles, and you were testing everyone every week. You were going to have three positives, don't you think? No, exactly, exactly. So, let, ask, tell me if I, so. What I was telling mm-hmm. the folks, uh, and tell me if you think I'm I'm wrong or off on this, is that it doesn't mean you can't create your zones now and have those restrictions and start, but you're going to have to get out of the outbreak in each zone because yes. every zone's in an outbreak. But at least that gives you a shot. Right. Yeah, that, and, that's the important point, Kevin. And and I, I think you're more articulate in that distinction than me is you've got to have big strategies around outbreaks. And we don't know if there'll be another wave. We saw a big wave after Thanksgiving. Tons of people had big upticks, big wave after Christmas. Um, we haven't seen a big wave after the Super Bowl. Maybe not that many people watched. Um <laughs> We may have a wave after Easter. We don't know. But I think it's important for management as a best practice to have strategies around outbreaks, have a designated person in charge, and know what you are going to do if you have an outbreak. Don't plan on cracking open the regulation once you've got Steve, Kevin, and Bob with COVID (laughs) all at the same time. Right. Right. That, that's not so, going to be effective. So, Karen, what's uh, you know what's the uh, real big differences, if you will, or difference in an outbreak and a major outbreak? I put it in context. First regulation, that's COVID. Yeah. Second regulation in the series, that's an outbreak, or some people call it minor outbreak. Third series, major outbreak. What's the difference in series two and three, outbreak and major outbreak? So you're going to be doing more frequent testing. So you, you've pretty much doubled the expenses on your testing. And um, how often is that testing? Twice a week. Okay. On the major? In, in the major. Okay. And here's the kicker. when you, If you're in a major outbreak, you have to evaluate whether or not to shut down your operations. I think that that is a critical understanding and why you cannot ever get close to 20 and not understand what it's going to do to your business. That's, that's a good point. And there's something else that's tangent generally that, that's come up, but we've talked about this a bunch mm-hmm. of times, is because when you first read even the non-outbreak section, it almost appears that you could have to shut. By the time you do the math and do the yes. and all of this, uh, if you don't uh, define these, uh, these uh, take these definitions and apply them, right, your operation shut down. And so I, it's kind of an important, I think it's worth discussing a little bit in, in this context of how we get to the definitions and the things we've talked about in the first two series, because this is where it illustrates it. They, we do not get to a part in the regulation that says to shut down until we get to the third series, meaning the major outbreak. So that means... What you have to do on a COVID case or a regular outbreak should not result in shutting your place down. And then when you right. get to the third, it doesn't even say shut it down. Just consider it if that may be your only option. And so I want to give folks some um, solace in the interpretations that we've talked right. about of why this is a narrower approach. If you think about it, it's a tiered approach. Things you got to do a little bit here, a little bit more here, and a lot there.
a lot at the end. And critical into outbreaks, and I'll close out this first question with it, is reporting to the Department of Public Health when you're in outbreak. And there's 58 counties in California, and each county has a different method. <laughs> so, so for clients with operations all across the state, if you have you know store retail stores, big operations, you need a critical person in management. What we've seen from clients that that manages the reporting to the Department of Public Health because Los Angeles County is different from Orange County. Orange County is different from Riverside County. Riverside County is different from San Diego, so forth and so on. There are some counties that have a portal that you report in. Some it's a phone call. Some it's an email. Um, it, and some actually send you follow-up questions, like a whole survey to do back to them. Uh, Karen, you know, getting now into uh, some of the other sections. Remember I said there was the first three sections? Right. Well, Wait. <laughs> Even you more. buy three, and you get a fourth one for free. Right. So the fourth one. Deal, yeah. Right? Well, now we get to uh, to uh, regulate uh, employer-provided housing under COVID. So tell me a little bit about what's going on in uh, that regulation, which is uh, 3205.3 of Title Eight uh, regarding employer-provided housing. Right. So this regulation is very important to our agriculture employers, especially the Central Valley. And that's what it was written for. Very burdensome and uh, gets into incredible detail. We won't go super into it because uh, really it's a very narrow niche in a narrow niche already. But just know that there are rules about the assignment of the housing units Bed spacing. You've got bed spacing regulations, uh, face coverings for residents. There are rules about cleaning and disinfecting. You've got additional screening um, if you do have housing. Uh, there are regulations about isolating cases, and there's even a reference, which scared a lot of people, about hotels and motels. But most importantly, if you're sending your salesperson out and they're staying in a hotel, because they're doing sales calls, uh, let's say up in Lake Tahoe in the middle of winter, uh, you're not going to have to enforce this employer-provided housing on the hotel that the person's staying in. It's basically, uh, what is it, H-2A type housing? Yes. Uh, Can I tell you my favorite part of this regulation? This is how far this goes. Right. It is putting the burden on the employer. There's literally a sentence in here that says, we as the employer are to control how the employee in their home at night that's provided by us wash and cleanse their utensils. Yeah, I was I was surprised by that. I thought to myself, when's the last time I saw a regulation yeah. about cleaning the dishes? Yeah. I want that regulation for my husband. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't I won't tell uh, him he no, said no that. No jokes, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I might, but uh, we'll see. Depends on how you treat me the rest of the day. <laughs> Not only do we get three regulations for 1999, but we threw in a fourth regulation for housing for the same 1999, and yet there's more. Yet there's more. Another now free item. we get our fifth for the price of one regulation that governs employer-provided transportation. 
So tell me about this one under the COVID uh, set of regulations. Right. So Cinco de COVID. <laughs> there you go. So with this transportation regulation, it's similar to housing uh, in that you've got to assign uh, transportation. There are regulations about the distance between people and transportation, face covering, screenings covered again, uh, cleaning and disinfecting of the vehicles is covered. Ventilation is covered that you're supposed to be able to roll down the windows, which um, our clients with armored cars find that to be a difficult compliance. <laughs> yeah. You can't roll down. I found right. out you can't right. roll down the windows in yeah. armored cars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's hand sanitizer regulations. You, you, you can roll them down if you have a cutting torch. <laughs> there you go. That's about it. And so these regulations are coming into play for construction companies. They would typically maybe a foreman would pick up a couple guys at the yard right. or gals or at home, right? Or right by home. their yeah. house. Yeah. Um, and now uh, with this regulation, employer provided transportation is much more difficult for those people operating in the construction niche and also in agriculture where they used to get the big kind of 20 person vans that would, you know, pick people up at a, a center and take them out. Uh, compliance with this ventilation, I mean, the ventilation and the distancing and assigning uh, is going to be critical and you need to document your compliance. Yeah, and, you know, and this, at first, when you read the regulation, it sounded like it was going to apply to what it sounded like it was going to apply to. In other words, you know, the ride share vans, when you're t- right. taking people that are offsite in a bus and stuff and the way it's written has become so broad, and I oh. thought, oh, there's no way they're going to regulate that way, didn't you, Karen? And then it turns out, no, the pickup truck. If you're driving with the two guys in the front of a pickup truck or three people across the seat, you're now in violation because mm-hmm. we're driving 100 feet over here or 1,000 feet. No one's probably going to drive on it. To another part of the – all of a sudden the now, you, yeah. Uh, and so it's something very tricky. And keep in mind, you know, you mentioned carpool. I think this is an important point. Who has the truck on the construction site? The foreman. What is the foreman, an employer representative, the supervisor? So as soon as he picks someone up and you're not following these regulations, even if it's a favor to, it could be his, you know, cousin, the laborer that's working, uh, you know, on the job side, you're in this regulation. So we need to be careful about that. Uh, I'll talk a little bit at the end if we have time on advisory committee stuff that may address some of these concerns later. So. Let's take a one, one last uh, uh, wrap up here on the FAQ. So, uh, can you kind of give us a rundown on some of the top uh, FAQs out of the sixty-eight FAQs they put out there in January? Right. Uh, what two, three months after uh, the regulation was in, in, in force and effect? Right. So, people, there was a void. People were very anxious to get clarification, Kev. And so the FAQs, when do they come out? Like January 20th, January something, right? Yeah, yeah. So when they came out, there was clarity, more clarity around cohorts and zones that we've talked about. And they totally agreed with everything we've been saying. <laughs> that was cool. That was cool. <laughs> um, there were additional clarifications that when the term offer, as it's referenced with testing and provide, mean the same thing. And for the record, you said that from the beginning, Karen, uh, offer and provide. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. For some reason, people got a little confused around PCR and antigen test. Mm-hmm. And, and the critical part of the CPP was that 
testing provided by the employer, and it could be uh, sending people to Dodger Stadium, as long as they were getting an FDA emergency approved or FDA approved test that looked for the virus. So there's some clear, the presence, current, the presence. current infection of the virus, right? Yes. Yeah. So that was clarified in the FAQs. The FAQs also explain some of the rub and overlap with AB 685. That's its own podcast with our colleague, Charles Thompson. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, there has been some clarity around that. Um, and then the housing and exposed workplace. Uh, there was a little more detail around that. The The continued rub on FAQs is they're not a regulation. Yeah, exactly. And, and to uh, the uh, point kind of leading into the, the last segment here, uh, as we wrap this thing up, I want to talk a little bit uh, about, uh, you know, what's next in this advisor committee. This literally, uh, see, we're uh, re- uh, recording this, uh, what, like February 20th, and I, uh, this will be published. Uh, so just uh, last week, we had three days of advisory committee yes. on the regulation, three eight-hour days, and we covered uh, items that Kalosh was looking at, uh, wanting to revise or amend is the official term of the emergency regulation. Uh, and then labor and management offered up suggestions and we talked through. I will say this, it was a, uh, of all the advisory committees that have been hosted by the division and not the standards board, mm-hmm. this was by far the best. Nice. Uh, they did a really good job. Doug Parker, the chief of Kalosha, did a good job of managing uh, the subject matter, managing the personalities. Uh, and so uh, we, you know, I, I, it may not result in everything that we want as employers and it may not result in everything the labor wants, but it's a good run thing. Couple, couple things that just crystal ball predictions. We'll, we will get a, uh, a draft uh, as being a committee member yes. uh, of what, uh, the result was we should get that probably uh, in a couple weeks. I would expect that the comments uh, have to be in by, I want to say March 2nd. Uh, don't hold me to that. Do date you exactly. promise to do a blog update on the website or at least how about if I help you do one? We'll both do one. Okay. Yeah. You, it, I, you know how I hate to write, write blogs. and I love to do podcasts. So right. I, I will promise I'll do a podcast on it with okay. you. Okay, and I'll write uh, and, the blog. And you write the blog, and we'll, co- we'll, we'll co-author both. But uh, one thing, and we didn't talk about this in outbreaks, because I was kind of saving it for this this point, was how do you get out of an outbreak? That's something that was discussed. How you get out of an outbreak, whether it's major or minor now, is get to zero. Right. To get to zero. Think about that. You're, uh, you're at 20, uh, and you get to have to get to zero. You got three and you have to get to zero, less of an order. And so what we think was going to happen is when you get down to less than 20 and you're in a major outbreak, you're going to go into regular outbreak mode, which makes sense because an outbreak is three to 19, right? And so when you get down to 19, this isn't the law today, but is expected to be the law when this is amended in a few months uh, to where then you go into, so what does that do the biggie? Is you're instead of testing twice a week now you're down to testing once a week, right? Right. And, and then to get out of a regular outbreak, uh, get down below three because that's when it started, and so then you go into regular mode and you can get rid of your uh, uh, global testing uh, requirements. Uh, and then we're going to see some changes, I think, in employer transportation to hopefully uh, address some things like 
for example, you know, they have to have that three foot distance uh, or a empty seat. Well, most pickup trucks don't have an empty seat between them and you're probably not three feet. And so some address some things like that. We'll see that uh, there's a lot of uh, consternation on that. And then the biggie that everyone's been asking about, what's going to happen with vaccines? Uh, there was a lot of discussion on vaccines. Uh, however, I will say this, I don't think we're going to see anything on vaccines on this First Amendment. We may, but the issue is they feel pretty comfortable about the individual that gets vaccinated is not going to get uh, COVID. What they aren't comfortable with and what seems to be holding it up is the idea of whether or not that individual that can't get COVID can still spread COVID. So if they're in close contact. So we're going to see work on that area and trying to figure out a way to do it. Uh, there was talk about getting out of the whole COVID reg. That's not going to happen. Uh, one of my suggestions and some other folks' suggestions is make it what happens with that individual? What does it do to exclusion uh, pay and exclusion, having to exclude them from the workplace and some testing and some things like that? And so we may see something if the delay in the amendment is far enough out uh, when we get to that point. So, Okay, we promise to keep you updated with blog post and podcast on the any, any changes in the emergency temporary standard. So thanks for listening to Karen and I today on this uh, uh, podcast. Look for our blog articles on Ogletree.com. Uh, and I'll say Karen's blog articles because I'm not very good at writing those very often. But look for those blog articles. There's a lot of good information, quick reads that I think you'll find helpful and beneficial. Uh, we've recorded a lot of webinars uh, related to COVID-19 that goes through this uh, uh, in depth that may be available on the website. Uh, and then also uh, make sure that you tune in for our other webcasts. This is part three of three for the COVID-19 uh, podcast series. And uh, look for our other podcasts coming up on inspection trends and recent Cal OSHA appeals board cases and other fascinating Cal OSHA topics. Riveting. Thanks so much. Everybody stay safe out there. And we look forward to more podcasts with you. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.